Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. I am Lee Lonsberry. We are continuing the attention we are paying to the impact of the coronavirus and specifically uh, the impact it is having on education and on students and on teachers and parents, of course, as well. But we are at a crossroads right now. There are districts making decisions. There uh, are negotiations taking place between uh, districts and unions and advice is being uh, solicited from all angles. And it ultimately uh, will uh, fall on parents, on you, uh, to decide what is best for, for your child. And so there are a number of uh, organizations and individuals who are doing their utmost to get uh, disseminated to you and to all those uh, looking to learn uh, the information uh, which will help inform uh, this decision making. Specifically, uh, there is an organization uh, called Voices for Utah Children. They, uh, over the course of the past few weeks, have been hosting a series of uh, Facebook Live events where they have gathered together uh, very important people. <laughs> in the realm of decision-making when it comes to education and, and your students. And uh, there is another one planned uh, for this evening. And to help explain uh, to us what we have heard thus far in these events and to know what we can look forward to uh, later on today, uh, I am honored to be joined by the CEO of Voices for Utah Children, Mo Hickey. Uh, Mo, welcome to the program. Lee, thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, t- tell me first, what is Voices for Utah Children? Voices for Utah Children is a policy and advocacy group focusing on uh, mostly issues affecting 0 to 18-year-olds in the state of Utah. Uh, We'll be celebrating our 35th anniversary this September, and we focus most of our attention on issues like education, health care, intergenerational poverty, um, juvenile justice, uh, any issues that really affect children. And what have you learned thus far in these uh, in these panels that you've hosted? Well, you know, we've learned a couple of things, and we're really looking forward to this afternoon because we're going to have an actual uh, panel of students on and hear what they think about returning to school. Um, but, um, you know, our first panel was with um, how do we bring equity into the reopening of schools? So uh, we had Superintendent Dixon on, on that panel. We had... Uh, Lexi Cunningham, who's the executive director of the Superintendents Association. We had a UEA representative on that call, as well as Tracy Gruber from uh, Office of Child Care Services. Mm-hmm. Because all of those things are so important to the reopening of schools. And, um, you know, what we've learned is it's, you know, I jokingly call it the largest game of whack-a-mole that anybody's ever played. Um, when you really think about the logistics required to open safely and effectively. Um, it's, it, the challenges are huge. Um, you know, we, we're looking now, as you know, districts have to put their plans in by tomorrow, basically, August 1st, they do. Um, and no matter what a district chooses, there are going to be challenges. Um, I was looking at Davis School District, and they're looking at two days in person, three days online. Well, what happens to teachers that need to provide child care for their own children? 
or parents that you know now have to shuffle their schedule. Um, but also, uh, how do we provide a safe environment for both teachers and students in the buildings on the days they're in class? Um, so, you know, we've learned. One thing I will say that the State Office of Education has been doing a lot of great work this summer, and they've been working closely with the Department of Health. Uh, they've been working with um, infectious disease experts at the University of Utah. So I, I think everybody's making the best effort possible, um, but knowing that so much of this is going to change um, as we move forward and learn more. I, I've heard this theme uh, coming from all angles. Uh, earlier today, uh, a doctor with Intermountain Healthcare talked about the need uh, for, for teachers and administrators and students and parents uh, to be nimble. Uh, to be just as you described, you know, able to adapt to to whatever the circumstances thrown at you. In fact, I have a piece of audio here from an earlier panel that you hosted. This is uh, State Superintendent Sid Dixon talking about making sure that back to school plans uh, were nimble. My caveat that was mentioned earlier: if we will all do our parts as adults and work with our children and do what we need to do now, and that we know what those three things are, we've been very consistent about those. Uh, as a state, and that is where masks uh, engage in proper hygiene and hand washing and distance. And if we, if we would lean in as a state and do that, wouldn't that be awesome? So that we would feel safer going back into the fall as we see cases subside. But until we do that, like we can't have both. We can't say, "Hey, go back to school normally and safely," but let's, but everybody can have choice about what they do. Like we just can't have it all uh, unless we are willing to lean on as a state and do our part. And that I think that's, I'll just say personally, that's the part that frustrates me a little bit. We all have to do our part to make it right for our kids and our teachers. That there was a, a comment made by Sid Dixon, state superintendent, uh, as she was participating in a Facebook Live event on July 14th, that event hosted by Voices for Utah Children. We're speaking now uh, with the CEO of that organization, Mo uh, Hickey, who ha has another event uh, this evening. You described that th this panel, uh, which will take place later on today, will be made up of students. W what are we hoping to learn from the students, from their perspectives? Well, we, we purposely tried to spread the students out. So the, the uh, Facebook Live event will be at 4 p.m. this afternoon on our uh, uh, Voices of Utah Children Facebook page. And what we really wanted was we have, so we have one student from um, Utah County, we have one from Summit County, one from Salt Lake County, and one from Tooele County. Um, and we really want to hear what students' concerns are, what uh what they are, you know, in some cases looking forward to. We're, we're finding so many disparate views. Um, there are, uh, we have a board member, for example, uh, at Voices who has two boys in high school and one wants to go back to the building and the other one doesn't want to go back to the building. They have concerns. Um, we have some people that want to take certain classes online and other classes they feel the need to be there in person. Um, so I think we really want to give the students a, uh, a voice <clears throat> in the discussion. I think sometimes they get left out. Um, yes, they have parents speaking on their behalf and organizations like us trying to speak on their behalf. But um, in full disclosure, I was a former school board member up in Park City, and I always used to joke that I'd rather hear from the students uh, than anybody because they're the ones that will actually be brutally honest with you. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to the discussion. We don't have any idea what the students that are on the panel's views are individually. Mm-hmm. We just ask that everybody be respectful and uh, have a conversation. Well, I admire, for, I admire you for putting this together, and I'm grateful that you've created uh, a situation where we can, in fact, hear from students. You know, I do my best here on this show to uh, make calls uh, here and there, there to different students, but it's, it's always difficult. You know, you don't know exactly, uh, you know, if folks are comfortable or if they're being honest or if they are being informed by, uh, you know, good sources of information or what. Uh, so to put together a panel and to do so in the way you have done, I am, uh, uh, I'm anxious to listen myself. I'm anxious to hear from that group. We hear much from the teachers. We hear much from the administrators. We hear much from the state, certainly. Uh, and to hear from the students, I think, uh, in, a, in a more long-form setting. You know, you can get a lot from TikTok and Twitter, but <laughs> to, to hear them, you know, really speak in their minds, I think, is a, a special treat and a great uh, source of information. Uh, sir, I am grateful to you for your time. Thank you again, uh, Mo Hickey, CEO of Voices for Utah Children. Good luck this afternoon, all right? Thank you for having me, very good. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. And when we come back, we'll be speaking uh, with a friend of mine, a coworker of mine, Robin Garfield. Uh, we had her on the program last week. That was when it was uh, announced that the Salt Lake City School District would be pushing back uh, the start of school sometime. Uh, and, well, for Robin, uh, she needs her students in school. She finds there to be great value in them being in the classroom, interacting with friends, developing socially, and also the very practical matter of, uh, you know, mom and dad need to get to work, all right? Someone's got to pay for the roof over our heads, the clothes on our back, and the food uh, that we put into our bellies. And with uh, schools not welcoming children back into the classroom, uh, that puts a very logistical and real practical strain on how households are being operated. Well, uh, what Robin's plan was, was to move her children from Salt Lake into the Davis School District. Well, uh, Davis had made themselves an announcement, which is that school will not be taking place all week in the classroom for every student. It'll be a staggered back-and-forth type hybrid deal. And we'll get into uh, this conversation with Robin uh, just up next, see if uh, she has changed her mind at all or what she plans on doing with all this new information. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Back to live, Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. You know, there used to be a day where I would look at my phone and I would see an alert, uh, you know, from Twitter or something that talked about protests at the Utah Capitol, and I would just spring to action. And that was that was it. Blow out the whole plan for today, and we're talking about this protest. Well, uh, 
things are a little bit different now and protests compete with one another and press conferences compete with one another and big announcements from this organization or that school district they all compete with one another and uh anyway we have moved to a day where protests at the state capitol are not uh the the biggest of news throughout the day although uh, the reason i say this is just moments before uh, i came back on the air here after the commercial break i picked up my phone and i, I see uh, a tweet here from ksl 5 television it says healthcare workers protesting today outside the Utah Capitol and call for the governor to shut down the state's meatpacking plants to slow the spread of COVID-19. So healthcare workers calling for meatpacking plants to close to prevent the spread of COVID-19. More information on that certainly available here on this station throughout the day and at our website, kslnewsradio.com. Uh, but how about that? I mean, <laughs> there are protests that got, uh, we talked about that just now for what, 20 seconds? Yeah, before the coronavirus showed up and before protests were a daily occurrence throughout this country and state, uh, you know, something like that would uh, that would hold on to our attention for a great while. Anyway, times are different now. Everything's different now. The way we approach everything, including schooling. You know, we've been throughout the day today dedicating much of the broadcast to the impact of the coronavirus on uh, education and specifically the return to schools. And sometimes... Uh, you know, it may feel a little funny uh, to analyze these things in terms of uh, like parents getting back to work and looking at school as, uh, you know, for its daycare and childcare uh, benefits. But you can't you can't be ashamed to look at it that way. All right. There are absolute realities that face everyone that face every family with a school aged child. The world has been turned upside down. We're working towards getting back to normal, but this transition back to normal is tough, and it leaves parents bearing uh, some very difficult responsibilities, and it leaves parents needing to make some very difficult decisions. Last week, we spoke to a coworker of mine, Robin Garfield, uh, and she'll join us here again in just a moment. But the situation for her family was this. She has uh, a few children, school-aged children, uh, within the Salt Lake School District. And, well, Salt Lake made the announcement that for uh, some time there won't be in-class learning for a while. And so that leaves mom and dad in the Garfield family uh, asking themselves, well, how do we handle this? And there was an opportunity that presented itself because before last week, the best word out of the Davis School District was that school would, in fact, resume uh, regularly, you know, relatively, but that in-class instruction would resume. And so the question, the debate was, all right, well, maybe we move our children from Salt Lake to Davis. Anyway, uh, we have since that conversation learned that Davis has changed their plans, uh, released new final guidance on how the school year will resume, and it's, uh, it's only two days of in-class instruction. So with this new news, uh, I'm joined again by Robin Garfield. Robin, how are you? I'm doing great, Lee. You know, the ground is just moving under our feet, I think, for all of us parents here in Utah. Yeah. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. We spoke uh, just before the commercial break to a gentleman named Mo Hickey, uh, who is the CEO of Voices for Utah Children, and he phrased uh, this, this shifting earth beneath us in an interesting way. He described it as uh, the most maddening game of whack-a-mole uh, he has yet experienced, where you uh, think you have one problem solved, uh, the solution to that problem uh, springs forth some other problem uh, somewhere else, making uh, all this decision-making pretty difficult. All right, so you, you, there are new circumstances facing you and your family right now. How, how, do, you, how do you respond oh. to all that? 
Oh, my goodness. You know, we, we had made this decision as a family last week. We were going to go to Davis. I filled out the paperwork. My husband and I felt really good about this. We went on this wonderful, rejuvenating, soul-filling six-day camping trip in the Redwoods. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting in, in Portland right now, but I came out of the canopy, got cell signal. First thing I saw, Davis School District. Oh. <laughs> two days a week, and it killed the whole vibe. It killed the whole six days. You thought, it, you, thought you had it all figured out? You were off on vacation celebrating your upcoming freedom and return to normalcy? Oh. And you know what? It, it, it's just like, like you said and like everything else, you just have to roll with the punches. And I think for so many of us parents, school, public school has always been an anchor for structure in our families, and for, for me especially, uh, and I've said many times, you know, barring not being able to get to school with a blizzard, school has always been in session. There has always been the thought of public schools not being there or only being online has never even been, a, you know, but with 2020, there is this new now. There's this new expectation of things are going to move and shift. And so I think for me, I had a moment of depression where I went, whoop, okay. Uh, plans are, are going to change, but I think like so many of us, you just take a deep breath, you, you go back to the grinding stone, you know, you look at the, the data, you look at the schedules, you look at what's going on. All right, let's, let's make our plans again. That COVID rates are going down, but who knows how long that'll last. So I really feel now I've learned my lesson thinking I have our plans for the fall figured out and, you know, dusting my hands off and going to the woods for six days. That's, <laughs> that's not. That's not how 2020 is going to work. So right now our plans are still, we're still registered up at Davis, um, and Salt Lake is going to have a board meeting tonight, which I'm going to be listening to very uh, attentively here on our trip, and we'll just go from there. I've learned the hard way that making plans is not, uh, or at least thinking you have a plan in place for 2020 is not uh, is not the peace of mind we all want. So right now, yeah, we're, we're still thinking about going to Davis, but... Um, you know, I'm not going to stick a pin in that. I'm not going to call it until September starts and school's underway. And, yeah. well, you know, well, it's I, just, it's hard. I don't envy your position. Uh, I, I don't envy it one bit. Uh, I count myself lucky uh, having little baby Piper not yet old enough to be in school. So I am freed from the pressure to make decisions like the ones uh, that you are facing right now. So uh, how about this? Uh, you've got some vacation left ahead of you. Why don't you enjoy this? Uh, put all this school district stuff out of mind. Uh, enjoy your time with the kids, and uh, and don't worry about <laughs> anything until you come back here to the real world. Well, I, you know what? I will take that as a prescription, I think. And, and one last final point, sure. I, uh, and I've said this before, you know, none of us parents want to – I don't have a, a flag to stick in any of this. I just want to make the right decision, and I'm open to – you know, if, if they think it's not safe to go back, then we'll keep them home. But, man, it'd be nice to get them back into the classroom in some setting. So that's that's just where we're at, you know, trying yeah. to be flexible. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the doctors support you. The doctors saying uh, that uh, both the head shrinker types and the ones that uh, work on folks at the ER, they all say – uh, that getting kids back into the classroom uh, ought to be the priority and certainly the objective to which uh, we work. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll all keep it up and we'll see what happens. And you, as I said, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Don't worry about a thing <laughs> until you get back, all right? Thanks again. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Lee. Uh, Robin Garfield, good uh, co-worker of ours here at KSL News uh, Radio, producer of the movie show, uh, a big important role she fills here uh, for us. Also, having to figure out what to do with her own children uh, as you know, the new school year approaches and as districts finalize their planning. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about a tiny, obscure piece of Utah state statute. 
It's obscure. You, you, you may have never heard of this before, but it is what to do in the event of electoral tie. If two candidates receive the exact same number of votes, how do you break that tie? I'll tell you how it's done next in Utah. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, and you're listening to KSL News Radio.